You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Thanks for joining us on the show. Looks like you were stuck in traffic and everything, huh? Yeah, I'm in Washington State, and let me tell you, people cannot drive up here when it starts to rain. They oh. are the worst drivers it, I've ever but seen. But it always rains. Yeah, I was going to say. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't you can't drive in a state that you live in. Yeah, that doesn't. to the rain. So you've been pretty busy here lately. I understand that you're training again, this time now with a, for a new trip coming up with Tech Track. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Tech Track. So I'll be leaving next month. Okay. And I'll be gone for a little bit over five to eight weeks. I'll be going through an anti-poaching course. Uh, so Tech Track is opening. This will be their fourth academy in South Africa. And I'm going to be going through this course with all the other recruits letting them see that future instructors go through this course as well and we got to go and endure the same bullshit that they have to so now these are former veterans uh, no the guy that runs it he is his name's marcus and he is uh british okay and he's done some stuff with some other organizations um some agencies and never served in the military but he's got a pretty decent background so He's been doing this for about seven years, and then four years he's been doing the anti-poaching academy kind of thing. And uh, what we're looking to do now is just get the word out and let more people get involved. And eventually what I would like to happen is reach out to the veteran community. I know I, I did the thing with VetPaw prior. That was a shit show. <laughs> yeah. Mike, were you over there during that time frame? You thought you might have been... 15. A- so I, I, I was talking to Robert earlier, and I messaged back and forth with you a couple of times. It seems like I was... I had the East Africa SOTIF in 2011, 2012. Okay. And um, so I was... I had Djibouti, Somalia, Ethiopia, uh, Uganda, some of the Central African stuff, and Kenya. And I think you were in Tanzania at the time. That would have been 2012. Yeah, we were in 2000. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah, it was 2015 because it was. We went in February and we were there for 45 days, and then um, I went to Namibia shortly after that. And then since then, I've been working, building good relations because with all this stuff that happened with Betpaw, you know, it we were doing things that we were not supposed to be doing. We went over there to train park rangers, and the problem with that was, is people got caught up with things, you know. They were just searching for a better show, I guess. Mm. I didn't sign up to be on a show, but because I was so passionate about helping wildlife, I said, fuck it, and was like, hey, I'm going to do it, you know? Because if I could help change, you know, something and be a part of something that significant, you know, that to me was very rewarding, especially with me being such a huge animal lover, going over there and seeing just how bad the crisis was when it came to poaching. You don't really understand that, that that much when you're here in the States because you don't really hear about it. Right. It, it's when you get in the country and literally it's every other day something's happening. And it, it changes your perspective um, sure. on things that are happening. It's just like when you deploy, you know, you go to a country and you're not really expecting uh, anything but bad guys coming after you and, you know, people are always wanting to kill you, but there's still good people there. And it's just going into another country and you have to figure out who's bad, who's good. And you don't know if the people you're working with are going to shoot you in the back or they're going to give up stuff, you know, to get you captured or you in trouble. Uh, You don't know. That's some pretty bad stuff then. 
I mean, not knowing, it seems like would be really bad, not knowing if somebody has your back like that. Yeah, you know, it was kind of nerve-wracking because when we were over there, we ended up going out on a 36-hour operation where we pulled these people out of their houses and arrested these people along with the park rangers and the local police force. And, you know, you didn't think it was dangerous until people started waking up and they started figuring out that you just... You just arrested their medicine doctor, which is huge, and huh. three other people in their village for suspected poaching. You don't realize how bad that is. And then you realize when you are in the daylight and everybody's coming out just how dangerous it can be. And then you're 10 hours away from where you're actually staying. We were in Rungwa, which is a 10-hour drive from where we were staying in Tanzania. We were close to the Gorogo Crater. So we were traveling by vehicle. We did it a lot at night, which is super unsafe. Uh, they had a lot of uh, ambushes at night. They would shoot up the vehicle, and then they would go rob the, the people in the vehicle if they weren't dead, and they would take their possessions from them. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, so, I mean, we were, we were messing with some really dangerous people. I mean, when you start messing with uh, people's money, poaching is a huge deal. So when you start messing with people's money and you start arresting people, it starts raising flags. And... Uh, Mr. Nylandu came over the news station over there and, and ceased our operations. We weren't kip, kicked out, but we were doing things like undercover operations. We set in on interrogations. We did the 36-hour raid, and we made arrests. You know, Those are things that we weren't supposed to be doing. We were actually supposed to be out there training these guys, and yeah. it got crazy for a little bit. You know, And to me, I wasn't, I had no training for that. So I was kind of thrown out there and was expected to know what I was doing. And thank God, you know, we had some really good guys on the team that weren't stupid. And, and, and I, I just took my training and was just like, hey, just do it. You know, figure out what you have to do and just be safe, you know. So, I didn't want to end up on the news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you actually ended up taking some weapons training. and Were you sent over there to do that for those guys there? Is that what your purpose was? Yeah, my purpose for Africa was uh, to go over and do the firearms instructing part. Okay. When I got out of the military, uh, I you know, started working at a gun range. And then working at the gun ranges, you start picking up on stuff. You start going to courses, and then you become qualified, and you become certified. And, and I was a weapons instructor for about two years prior to that. And then I did some stuff for Scallywag Tactical. And one of the guys that were was at the shoot said, Hey, you know, like uh, this, this company is looking for a female. Uh, you seem like you're pretty, you know, down to earth and like you can handle yourself. So why don't you, uh, send in your resume and apply and stuff. And at the time I didn't know what we were actually doing. I just sent in my resume and my DD 214 and, you know, showed that I was a competent female that could do the job, whatever it was. And, you know, that's when Oz reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for a female. This is what we're going to be doing, and I'm going to pass it along to Ryan. He's like, you know, I really think you're capable of doing this. You know, you'd be teaching the weapons part of the course. And I was all for it, you know. I, that's all I knew we were going over to the, over there to do. Um, I didn't know we were going over there and we were going to start doing all this other stuff. And then I found out, you know, two weeks prior we were going to be filming with Discovery Channel. Oh, that okay, so that's where the filming came in. When you were talking yeah. about earlier. Okay. So Discovery yeah. Channel. So so Dis Discovery Channel was doing a show to show the anti-poaching part because obviously it's a, it's a good market to reach out to. A lot of people are trying to get involved in it. And 
what else to do it with, you know, you have a female that's a veteran, you have all these veterans going over there and you're trying to stop poaching. So, I mean, it makes good TV, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it got out of hand for a little bit, you know, you know, the veteran community came after me, just normal civilians came after me. You know, I had all of Africa watching me at that point. I had death threats coming in. Good God. I mean, all via social media, right? Yeah. You know, and, uh, what really sucked at the time is, you know, me and Oz, I mean, him and I were really close over there. I mean, he understood the, the bullshit that I was getting and I understood what he was going through because he was getting attacked and I was getting attacked. And I just didn't understand why, why I was getting attacked from everybody because I was in Africa, you know, doing something that I thought was beneficial and, and to help. And we were getting the word out. And, you know, I got told by, you know, my superior at the time, hey, what, you know, even bad press is good press. And, and I was like, no, it's not. Right, right. <laughs> it's not good press. You know, I'm, I mean, we're sending the wrong message out apparently. And this is not how things need to be. Op- we don't need to be operating this way. So I, I dealt with it. You know, I, I kind of put on a smile for everybody. But in the background, you know, people didn't really understand what mentally I was going through because. Well, that had to be I, tough, especially, I mean, if the veteran community comes after you, that that has to be tough. It was. And um, I, I do a lot of things with the veteran community. I support the veteran community 100%. I did the Baton Death March for the first time this year. And also I did the Kattern Yomp in Scotland with the Allied Forces Foundation. You know what Kat's doing? <laughs> no, Kat's doing the uh, Royal Marine Yomp, which I think is okay. different because she's doing the one in uh, England. It's 133 miles, which, of course, you and Kat need to hook up because, I mean, like I'm this sorry. is. Sorry, Kat's not able to. Yeah, and Kat's oh, not able to, fine. Not able to join still us. still hasn't freaking responded to me yet either. So yeah. <laughs> she should be on here talking. But that's, that's pretty rad. So I only was able to do a little over 19 miles at the Cattern Yomp because we had a bunch of injured and wounded guys. And I stayed back with one of the guys who lost his leg and he had a severe injury to his other leg. So it was kind of like a motivation to keep him going, and, and he made it nine miles. And then myself and a, an officer of the Scottish military, her and I just kind of trucked it, took it off. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Scottish Highlands, but that oh, that is like oh, yeah. no joke. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so my, my goal for next year is to go back over with the Allied Forces Foundation actually complete the 54 miles. But it was amazing because I got to see all these – these guys and, and women, you know, make it through this course, at least to, you know, the bronze checkpoint. And just seeing that was crazy because you have guys finishing it that had missing limbs and, and you know, severe brain injuries and, you know, was paralyzed on one side of their bodies. And, and just seeing that was so motivating and just made me, you know, at the time when you think everything sucks because you're in pain and you're hurting and you think about these guys that are going through this just with like with you but they have more injuries than you do, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's very um, rewarding at the end to see them cross the finish line and uh, and just be super motivated and happy and, and everything. It's just like the, the Baton Death March. Uh, I didn't train for that. I wasn't really ready for all the sand, and I haven't done something that long since I was in the military. So started going in about 14 miles. I had this major cramp in my leg to the point where it was so painful. I wanted to stop. And I, at, at 14 miles, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I, I was crying. I had, I was, you know, I was pushing through it because like, I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to cry, but I'm going to keep going. And you sounds know, like my workout this morning. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I, actually, I cry during my workouts every morning. <laughs> but, you know, I finished it because we had guys out there and girls out there that were, you know, missing limbs and stuff. And they, they finished the whole thing. And the whole time I'm going, well, I can't stop because if I stop, then I'm letting them down and I can do this. So I finished it, had severe blisters all over my feet. And, you know, it was just crazy. And at the time I was like, I hate this. I'll never do it again. But I want to do it again next year and, and just keep going and yeah. keep being around, being around military, like soldiers of any sort from any branch, from any country, you know, to see them going through stuff like that is super motivating. And I try to use that motivation on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, we actually have a pretty good sized following actually over in the UK. And we've had several different individuals from uh, British forces. Matter of fact, we have some future guests that are coming up here in a couple of weeks that uh, we're going to have back on. And it's really interesting, not only being able to do those types of things with them and see the struggles and stuff that they're going through, but much of what they're experiencing from a veteran perspective, we've actually lived through. And we're further advanced in terms of how they're dealing with PTSD, how their country views them as veterans. We're held to a little bit higher standard, I guess, if you want to call it that. Not that it's a negative thing there, but I mean, it is. A, it, there is a lot of differences there. And I'm sure you probably talked about that while you were there. There and there are, you know, when I was in Scotland, you know, we had people there from other countries that were doing this with us. And, you know, a lot of them were like, you know, this saved my life. Uh, this was something that I needed to do. Uh, and it's also, you know, really awesome to go through that because you're not going through it alone. You're there with people that are suffering through the same traumas or have been through a little bit worse or just mentally they're down and they can't make it through life. And, and, you know, that trip saved their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've battled things. I've battled some demons in my life. And then, and, you know, a lot of people don't know about those things and I don't really share it with anybody, but I've hit my point before. And I, you know, I've, I didn't want to live anymore. And, and being around the right people and getting into fitness and, you know, honestly, when I went to Africa, it like, it, it changed me. Africa is the most, magical place I've ever been you know even when you're in the shit and you hate it and you're like god this sucks and you haven't bathed for like five days and you're just like oh god this blows you know and you get eat up by tsetse flies at the end of the day it's it saves you it really does and it's, it's hard to really explain it unless people have been to that point and it saved their lives you know that's something I needed I needed that because it gave me a purpose again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of veterans go through when they get out. I think they, yep. they aren't ready to be out or they feel like they don't have a purpose anymore. And, you know, sometimes it leads to suicide and sometimes it makes you better. You know, it, it's yeah. just, it's, it's the nature of the beast and it really sucks sometimes. But thankfully I've had some really awesome people around me um, that encourage me to do better they got me through that rough point. You know, it, it really hit me hard whenever I was in Africa with Vet Paul and I got all this negative feedback and, you know, just got bashed completely. But it, I'm very thankful for even that experience because that experience made me the person I am and it just helped me. Yeah. So when I go on this trip to Africa uh, this time, it's going to be a totally different thing. It's, you know, I'm going through this course to train and I'm legally able to work in the country. I'll be working alongside of people from all over the world that want to go through this course and live out in the bush for about two weeks. And the rest is you, you know, you, you learn everything you need to for the bush because 
to be honest, going into Africa the first time, it, I don't care what your military background is. I don't care if you were Navy SEAL or like a little little supply clerk. You know, going into Africa, not knowing the terrain, not knowing what you're getting yourself into can kill you. And you don't have to worry about – in the States, you don't have to worry about a lot of things. Over there, everything wants to kill you. The people want to kill you, get pricked by one tree that's got little thorns on it, literally will kill you. You know, you've got people out there that want to kill you. The animals will kill you. Uh, there's just so much stuff that you're not prepared for. You make for. me miss Africa so much when you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, wanted to go back to Africa ever since I retired, Kinesi, and I just haven't been able to pull it off. It's amazing. I mean, obviously you know, I mean, but you've been to all of all these other places. The only places I've ever been to has been Tanzania and Namibia. And those it was crazy because I went there expecting it to be just like Tanzania when when I went to Namibia and it's completely different, yeah. you know. Tanzania is very tropical and humid and beautiful. you know, it's beautiful there. It really is. But then you go to Namibia and it's like plain and deserty and just completely different and it's it was kind of a kind of it was kind of cool you know you got to experience two different parts of africa uh so i'm, I'm really looking forward to going to south africa because that's where i'm going to be this time but i'm going to be up in the mountains what's so. the what's the objective this time what's kind of the focus and and what's different uh the focus this time is making it through this course which is a pretty brutal five-week course and uh there's a lot of people that fail out of it I, I like to think of it as basic training again, but kind of souped up because you're you're out in the bush for five weeks doing all this training. And what this is going to do is it's going to make, make it legal for me to work in Africa. I'll actually be considered a park ranger once I'm through this course. It's recognized by the, the African government. And once you go through this course, you can be put on any reservation throughout Africa. Uh, it makes it legal for you to go to any of these countries, the Mozambique, Kenya, freaking South Africa, Namibia, Tanzania, anywhere, like all those places you can go to. And I'm sure there's some more, but those are just like the main focus right now. But that's the focus is to go through this course. It's basically to prove I can, you know, work there instead of having all these allegations of you, you don't have the training and, you know, people won't be able to say anything then because I'm going to be able to like, Hey, I have the training. I'm legally able to work here, and then it gives me more of a leeway of the places I want to go and, and the reservations I want to help with. And uh, your role and also, is just, your role is going to be the same, though, right? Yeah, the role role is going to be the same, and yeah. then I can actually go out on patrols and and all this kind of stuff once I'm done, and that's the plan. So, and eventually, like I said, once I get done with this, the goal is eventually getting more veterans involved and legally getting them involved, you know, where right. they, they're not having to worry about, you know, showing up to a place and then all of a sudden you're like thrown into a TV show. Uh, you're, you got to make it through the course. It gives you a purpose again. And, you know, it gives people the chance and the opportunity to do something noble, uh, even if it's for, you know, 12 weeks or whatever they want to do. You know, it's a lot of people want to do this because it's, it's something they feel passionate about. It's hard. It's not easy. Well, it's a um, sense of service still, it sounds like, too. I mean, I know a lot of nonprofits. As a matter of fact, we had Wishes for Warriors that was on just a few, probably about a month ago, I guess. And a lot of those types of nonprofit organizations really take veterans that are transitioning out of the military service or returning back from combat and helping them transition back into the private sector through hunting, fishing, doing all kinds of 
things that maybe they have forgot about doing or never have done and actually trying to teach them that new experience, but also giving them a sense of purpose, like you had mentioned, and a sense of service. And it sounds like what you're talking about here in Africa is much the same thing. You know, you're providing a sense of service and you're trying to help them through some transition, getting them back into teamwork, camaraderie again, and, and that type of stuff. Yeah, and it also gives you the, the opportunity to work with other people from different countries as well. Sure. Um, something I learned, too, there are really good people all over the world. You know, you have your good people and you have your bad people. And uh, something about the anti-poaching world is is a lot of it brings together the good. You know, you're all there trying to help save a species from going extinct. And to some people, you know, rhinos and wildlife in Africa – it doesn't mean anything to them, you know, and they're going to wake up tomorrow and they're going to be totally fine. But I grew up loving these types of animals and, you know, I feel like it would be unfair to the generations after us if they didn't get a chance to see those. I don't agree with zoos. I, I honestly will never go to another zoo again after I've been to Africa. Just it, to me, it's kind of sad to see the animals in captivity like that. But, uh, you know, I get re- a lot of a lot of veterans reach out to me on a daily basis, daily basis, and they're always like, "How do I get involved in this? Who do I sign up with?" You know, and I tell them, "Hey, check out Tech Track. You know, they do vet their people. You know, you go through a background check. You actually get a lie detector test, all that kind of stuff oh, when wow. you get there, because they've had people try to infiltrate and like steal their teaching criteria and all that kind of stuff, and and they." legitimately are trying to make a difference i mean these people marcus and his family he moved his family uh to south africa and he's been doing this and they haven't been paid nobody gets paid for it i mean because i mean the government takes pretty much all their funding and that's another end goal for myself is you know when i get over there i'm going to do video blogs i'm going to show the world hey this is the 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 struggles and this is the things that i'm going through and you know to show that it's not cake because his his course isn't easy most people fell out of their his course the first three days, so I want to I want to keep people involved. I want to show people you know my progress as I'm there and uh, and and hopefully be able to come back and do some fundraising and raise some funds. That way we can get more people over there. We can get people through the course. We can help you know fund this academy and get some gear and and stuff because they um, they don't have those means. They don't have that kind of stuff over there you know right so what what got you into this now as i understand it you started off in leesville louisiana yeah so i was stationed at fort polk so i'm very familiar with yeah yes i was stationed at polk and uh so now that's just right down the road so were you a military brat then i wasn't Um, okay i was actually born in alexandria we lived in anacoco pretty much my whole life i think after i was two we did live in uh yucca valley california for about two years from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but I grew up around Fort Polk. I actually did some role-playing whenever Fort Polk was, you know, really kicking off, you know, when the war began. A lot of rotations were happening out there. So I started working out there, and I was kind of opposed to joining the military, not because I didn't agree with it. I totally support the troops, you know, and, and I'm a I'm very, very motivated when it comes to the military uh, I don't think that's ever gone away from me. I don't think but, it ever will. You know, <laughs> it, it won't. Yeah, I, I don't think it will. I just, I just have this demeanor to myself where I really enjoy being around the military. The, that, that kind of background and the people, the people. I've met some of the the 
best people from the military. Um, I'm still friends with a lot of them and it's just crazy how small the community is. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a big military, but it's so small at the same time. But I grew up there and I did, I did the JRTC stuff and that's when I really started getting into, Hey, I really kind of want to join the military. You know, I, I like this. I've met a bunch of cool people and you know, I decided to come in in 2007 and I was in till 2011, went to Afghanistan. And to be honest, I loved my deployment. It's hard to explain that to some people, but I just felt more comfortable while I was deployed than I did whenever I was at Garrison. Yeah, I think a lot of guys come back and feel in that way. And I think that's where many of them struggle is when they come back to a Garrison command and they're there for a while. It just is a burnout factor. They'd much rather be over in Afghanistan and that's part of the reason why I think have the challenges that they do in some cases, because it is a different army, you know, it is. And there's, there's not enough fallback for military when they get out. And it's kind of sad because I've realized that when you get out the military, they, they stop caring about you. You're just a body. Yeah. Uh, so you have to rely on your, your brothers and your sisters that you served with and, and people that, that you meet along the way. I think that's why so many people, go into contracting or they do the mercenary thing. Or, Absolutely. You know, they just go all crazy sometimes. You know, I, I, I honestly think that's why they seek that, I wouldn't say adrenaline, but that rush that they get when they're deployed. Yeah. Well, it's also very familiar to them. You know, they don't have to worry about trying to find something new. This is their comfort zone. They get it. They know it. I think it is adrenaline. Well, it I, is. I, yeah. I think it is. Guys get addicted to it. I used to call it combat voyeurism. Because you, you see a lot of these guys that get out and they, they do gravitate right back toward those contracting jobs in Afghanistan and now in Iraq. And I, I always ask them why. I, I mean, in my line of work, most of us retire. And say you retire 20, 25, 30 years, we get good bonuses, you make good money. You really can apply your skills to a lot of different industry, right? A lot of different ways. So why do they gravitate right back to it? Is it because it's easy? And I don't think that's I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is is because they're I mean it's almost addictive in nature like anything else. That adrenaline and that. We that should always, ask Rudy. See, Rudy's not on here to, to be able to defend himself, Mike. You're calling I was Rudy. Rudy was here to talk about shooting people in the be, face. Maybe <laughs> we can get him on. Um, to be honest, you know, I honestly I agree with you um, on that. Uh, just from my personal experience, you know, when I was deployed, I went out, I did recovery missions, worked on trucks a lot, and that was basically my life. And and I always volunteered. You know, I wanted. To, I always wanted to go outside the wire. If we had, if we had a chance to go outside the wire, I was like, I want to go. Yeah. So I mean, and and at the end of the day, you still think about it. You know, it doesn't matter if I was a decent mechanic or not. You know, going out, hell, I could have got blown up driving out of the gate. You know, like I was stationed at Kandahar. I mean, at the time in 2010, Kandahar was popping. It was a pretty rough place, um, and it was not even safe when you're on the base. You know, you're getting rocketed every day and it was just not, you know, not fun, but you learn to just kind of sleep through it. And then the A-10 was like my favorite nighttime bedtime story. Every time I heard it take off, I was just like out, you know. <laughs> um, and I've always struggled with sleep since I got back. And because uh, it's always quiet, it's too quiet. But when I was in when I was in Africa, I slept great. I loved it because we would go out, you know, we'd go out. And it was just, to me, it was just fun. It was, you never knew, like, kind of what you were getting yourself into. You didn't know if you were going to catch people poaching or if you were going to, you know, 
encounter hostile people when you arrested them. And it was just different. And sitting in on interrogations and watching these people, you know, some of them, they knew, they knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew what they were doing and they said it. But then they also said, I'll do it again because these people aren't used to having money. They aren't used to getting large amounts of money and they get paid good for this. You know, it's enough money to take care of their families and they'll never have to do anything the rest of their lives. Um, And then you get the ones that legitimately have no clue what they're doing is bad because in Tanzania, the, the education level is like equivalent to our ninth grade in the States. You know, you, you realize money can, can turn any of the good people bad. I mean, money is huge. You know, it's a, it's like we say, money is the root of all evil. Um, I, I could fill up hours of talking about how we have squandered money and, and ruined economic opportunity in Africa over the course of the last several hundred years. But but you're right. I, I mean, what we what we don't often talk about is is how a little bit of money and a little bit of economic economic opportunity for a specific individual and in, in anywhere in Africa, really, uh, that's not very prosperous can can you'll you'll break any law. To get that, a little bit of stability for your family. Some of the people that I met and talked to in Central African Republic, man, they they get by on nothing. I mean, nothing. So, and, and as bad as you know, what the most of us in the West think of poaching in Africa and some of the endangered species that, that you're out there trying to protect, man, those people don't care. They just want to get by the next day, the next two days. And um, and we haven't done a very good job over the last you know couple of centuries at at helping develop that infrastructure that changes that. And and I don't know that anybody is working on that now. Yeah, you know, I look back at all the craziness that started up whenever I went over with VetPon and how much media attention I got. And I was honestly really surprised when all that happened because I wasn't expecting that, you know. And in all reality, even with all the bullshit, even with all the crap that I had to deal with, with the communities and, and just regular people, I honestly don't regret any of it. And the reason I don't regret it is because it got the word out. There was so many people that didn't understand the significance behind it. They didn't understand how bad poaching was. They didn't understand just how crazy it is over there, you know? So at the end of the day, doing doing this is still rewarding for me and it I want to I want to take my passion and, and and push it out for other people to have the opportunity to get involved in. Um, and who knows, there may be bigger opportunities that I haven't seen yet that are going to come knocking on my door, good or bad, you know what I mean? So the fact is that it got the word out and it made people realize just how bad it was. And, you know, two years ago, you didn't really hear about anything that about poaching. You didn't hear about people over there helping. And now now you got all these people that are wanting to get involved. And, and you know, personally on my side, and I don't care if this hurts anybody's feelings, but I feel like some people are looking at us, hey, I'm going to make a profit off this, so I'm going to go over there. Their, their heart's not in the right spot. Right, right. Um, yeah. And that's something that irritates me because I don't make money from this. I don't get paid. I use money out of my own pocket. You know, I, I do these things because this is a passion. This is something I really enjoy doing, and, and I want to be able to help and make a difference. The thing is with poaching, you're not going to stop it overnight, and a lot of it comes from – you know, cultures, you know, cultures that believe that the rhino horn helps with medicine and stuff like that. And right. if, in all reality, it's not anything that you don't grow in your body yourself. You know, the same thing that rhino horns made of is made out of your, your fingernails and your hair, you know? So 
at the end of the day, if I can go to Africa, if I can make people have a different outlook on what's going on and want to get involved and want to help, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not about self-gratification for me. It's not about, at the end of the day, am I going to get picked up for a movie or am I going to get like all these like signing deals for a book or some sh stupid shit like that? That's not what it is. It's never been that. Well, I'm glad yeah. you addressed that because I'm sure that's what a lot of people are going to be thinking. They're like, oh, come on, Kinesi. You, you're just going over there to get the be in the limelight. A lot of people did come after me and say that. There's one thing I'm still not used to is uh, doing interviews or talking on the radio or doing anything like that. That's something I'm completely still oblivious to because it's so weird when you hear yourself talk. You're yeah. just like, oh, my God, why did I say that? Just shut up. <laughs> shut up. But, Ron I mean, says that to me after every yeah, time. I, 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 I constantly <laughs> tell him all the time. Not just him, but all the others as well. Shut up, gosh. <laughs> then, I, then I started, well, see, we used to do the show live. So now that I tape it, I can just edit them out. Just like, yeah, I didn't like that piece of it. Yeah, so so it'll just, just be you and Robert tomorrow when it hits iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the How beauty. This goes on iTunes? Oh, yeah. iTunes, SoundCloud, the whole bit. Nice. Something else I wanted to talk to you about is that you and Miley were talking about potentially doing, perhaps... A nonprofit organization? Are you we looking at tying that into to this somehow? Uh, so, so TechTrack started 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 <laughs> a nonprofit for here in the United States, so we can help with fundraising with that. But we were in the process of starting a nonprofit with her and I, uh, and that was the initial goal. And we're still talking about it. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah, it uh, does. And with her and I, our schedules are so crazy, and she lives in California and I'm living in Washington, that it's really hard to get something set in stone starting out. So I think that the best bet for that is to wait till after uh, I do this course in Africa. Miley was actually supposed to go on this course with me, go on this trip to Africa. Oh, she's not going? Course, but she... <laughs> She's an overachiever like me, so she was in the gym and broke her wrist. Oh, I saw something on her wrist. I had no clue. Okay. Yeah, she did that, so it's just going to be me going. Uh, it's, it's kind of exciting and kind of scary at the same time because it's just going to be me uh, going to South Africa, and, and I've only been to, to Africa two times prior, so, so and what I was with a group of people and different people, so I was never by myself, so this uh, time I'm going by myself. Okay, that's what I was just getting ready to ask you. So you're not going with the team then? Mm -mm. Oh, I'm going wow. by myself. Uh, I'm going through this course with that Marcus is putting on for Tech Track, and and uh, the end goal for that, he he had reached out to me and he wanted me to be an instructor at his course. And I said, well, how about we do this? How about we go through this course and we'll get qualified and all this kind of stuff to be able to work there. It actually looks better if you're doing if you're instructing a course over in Africa after you've gone through the course because you know. You know the ins and the outs. You know what you're getting yourself into, and you can explain it better to the new recruits when they come in. So that, that'll be happening. Uh, hopefully, Miley will be able to make the next course once she gets her, her uh, brace taken off, her cast taken off. My bad. But you won't still be there at that time frame, or will you? Well, the plan is, is I want to go there. So I was, I was supposed to go for 12 weeks, and then I just cut it down to eight. So that gives me... The five weeks for the course and then the extra four weeks to just go out in the field and actually do some patrols and stuff at a reservation that needs help. Because the problem is, is they're so short on people doing this kind of job that they need as much help as possible. So if I can get out there and I can, you know, 
go out on patrols and help, you know, maybe we can help make a difference. And, and you know, that's going to be more stuff that I can, I can video and do video logs about and show people that, you know, once you do this course, you can actually volunteer for a little bit and uh, go out and help a reserve. Um, How tough is that going to be? Like I said, oh, get go some ahead. more veterans and stuff out there and get some guys and, and girls to help help teach the course as well because he needs some help. So how difficult is that going to be doing it over the holidays? Because it sounds like the timing of which is going to be like right smack dab through like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Yeah, I'm probably going to miss Thanksgiving. I'm probably going to miss Christmas and New Year's and my birthday. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know what? In, in theory, what I think about is I think of it as a deployment. Yeah. You know, you don't really have the, the choice, you know, that you're deploying. So you just kind of make the best of it. And to me, it's, I have family and stuff there in Louisiana and, and, and they understand that this means a lot to me. So to me, the holidays, it's, it's just another day and there'll be more holidays and there'll be more days I can make up. And to me, this is, this is a big game changer. Can, it'll help the situation. It'll help Marcus. It'll help tech track and, and, uh, it'll help other veterans that want to get involved with it. You know, I can, I get questions all the time about tech, about tech track. And it's really, really hard to talk about things when I haven't been through the actual course. I just know the criteria and I know who runs it and I know people that have gone through it. But physically for me, I'm a hands-on type of person. So I will learn more and I'll be able to explain it better once I actually go through this course. So, and, and I think it'll be another stepping stone too. It's going to be challenging. Like I said, people drop out of this course three days into it because, you know, Marcus doesn't play around. It's physically and mentally, you know, challenging. They keep you up for days. It's just like, it's just like going through a, a military school or, or anything like that. You know, it's kind of, you've got to embrace the suck. Yeah. Yeah. Mind over matter. Sounds a lot like my graduate program right now too. Mostly <laughs> up for mm. days. No fun. You know, I, I asked myself why I continue to put myself through shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm out of the military now. Why do I want to make myself suffer anymore? But, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it helps. With, Back to that addiction thing, man. Maybe we're, maybe we're comfortable <laughs> suffering. At the end of the day, I think, I wouldn't say adrenaline at the end. It's that feeling you get, it's the overpowering feeling that you get from succeeding. I think you, uh, have to put yourself through stuff like that to to know that you can still push your limits. I guess it's also a very type A personality as well. You know, yeah. I I have to be better. I have to I have to win. I have to push myself, and I'll break myself before I give up. You know, that's always how I've been. Very competitive. All right. Well, it sounds like we're going to be doing a part two show then while you're there. It'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know how bad the lag is. I know Facebook. I know that that call. Yeah. The Facebook calling thing actually works a lot better than Skype, but I know Skype is good there. Facebook is good. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool to do another show with you guys just because I can tell you like what's going on. Absolutely. And how bad awesome. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get attacked by snakes. I'm telling you, my biggest fear right now is the snakes. I'm terrified. <laughs> Cause it's no, I just be... snakes in Africa are organized. You know, they, oh they get up orders and they come out in force and then they'll go back <laughs> in the corner. I, I can handle the Cobras and the other ship, but there's the Puff Adder that comes out, and that thing comes out right about the time I get there, and they like to cuddle up to you in the middle of the night, and you wake up, and you're just like, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So I'm not okay with that. I'm probably like silently scream like a girl and just wish somebody heard me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's bad. It's so bad. I've never been so scared of something in my life. And for some reason, I think I've had too many encounters with snakes and they were just all bad. Were they all so, in Africa? No. You know what's crazy is whenever I was in Tanzania, like all I would think about was the snakes. And you see the big mounds, you know, that looks like termite mounds. But you see those, and all you know is, I wonder if I, if for some reason, you know, we hit that, and the snakes all came out because they all cobras live in those mounds, and they live in weaver nests and all that kind of stuff. And I would think about this as we would drive, and you would just see them all the time. But then when you're on the bush, it's really crazy. Like you're walking and stuff, and you never, it never crosses your mind that there's snakes where you are. It's just kind of a, you kind of get into that mindset. So not spiders too, then, just snakes. Yeah, snakes, I'm terrified. I don't give a shit. If I have to get thrown into a pit with crocodiles or snakes, I'll pick the crocodiles over the snakes. <laughs> well, I, had a, I had a team in, um, I think these guys, I can't remember, South Sudan or, or D-Rock, but, um, and they were living in, in a, you know, an indigenous village, and the villagers helped them build huts. So up to about waist level were these woven sticks all the way around, and then open air all the way up to a thatch roof. And the guys had put tarps up, on top underneath the thatch and everything and and this one kid I'll never forget he told me he heard this rustling and it was rustling at night and it kind of kept him up and he went up and he started moving around to see what had crawled up in the roof and a seven foot long cobra drops out get out his feet not kidding not kidding seven feet long I would have found this green beret now running like a little girl through the bush there would have been a new hole in that house the villagers caught it and ate it that's what I would do. I literally so when we so when we went on that uh, thirty six. I won't hour, say it's him. When we went on the thirty six hour operation, we actually the 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 medicine doctor that we arrested. Uh, after we arrested him, we stuck him in the back of the truck. Uh, the guy started moving around stuff in his house in his hut, and this whole time they're in there digging around doing shit, and then they go back in there and they do a second. You know, they go back in there and they check stuff again, and they found a cobra. Just hanging out, like I guess this medicine doctor liked to use the cobra as a healing method. Oh, good God! And I'm like, what the hell would you yeah. use a cobra for a healing method? Like, what to scare the sin out of you? I don't know. <laughs> it would but, scare the sin out of me. Yes. I mean, it just blew my Carolina mind. Out of me. And Oz was telling me about it. He's like, yeah, we were digging around in there, picking up stuff this whole time, and there was a damn cobra in there, and nobody saw it. I'm just like, yeah, that would have been my luck. I'd have been the one in there trying to you know, clear stuff and look and that bitch would bite me. Like <laughs> that would be my luck. I'm serious. Like the you have to worry about the the population there in Tanzania. So there's bush people and they use these darts. And there's a tree there that has this sap on it and, and it literally you shoot this dart at somebody and it it's strong enough to kill like ten elephant. It's wow. ridiculous. But there's thorns. There's thorn like there's a tree with thorns on it. Like you scrape yourself with that thorn, you're dead. So I was just like, what? And we got there, and the first thing we hear is there was a guy out there doing some anti-poaching stuff, and he got shot in the forehead with one of these darts, and he died <laughs> doing anti-poaching. I was like, oh my god, great. <laughs> so we had to worry about see, shot a guy in the head. There you go, Mike. Shooting with, with arrows. <laughs> 
Yeah. Shot shot a guy in the head. Spot on. We needed Rudy here. In the face, right? Yeah, right. That's pretty much Rudy there. Rudy didn't respond to me, by the way. He said he's like flooding, got no yeah, power. He's out of North Carolina is right the hurricane now. Hurricane still coming through? Is that, is that no, what it is? No, no. They're, they're, I guess they're just still suffering out there in that well, area. Well, it's a brag, so they're suffering. Right, right, right. You're big into weightlifting as well. I understand that you're talking about maybe starting up a tour, going around, maybe getting some more veterans and stuff engaged, or what is the what is kind of the objective there? So Miley and I had talked about maybe going on like a like a United States kind of road trip and going to all the gyms and going to like bases and stuff and, and just doing like workouts with, with veterans and, and, and active duty and people like that to get them more involved, even their spouses, you know, if they anybody that wants to come out can come out. But that's something that we have talked about because I, I honestly I got into working out in about 2012. I took a once I got out of the military, it took me about a year, and and I was really really down. You know, I I didn't really like how I looked. You know, I was just really unhappy with myself, and and I was living in Vegas at the time, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go get a trainer, and I'm gonna get involved in working out. And I didn't know how to work out. I mean. It's funny because being in the military, I never went to a gym. I only did PT. I, I was a runner, and that was it. So when I started lifting, you know, I met a guy. He was a trainer out in Vegas. And between Vegas and L.A., it's like the meccas of working out. Oh, yeah. Everybody is into fitness. And then I got addicted to it. I just loved how I felt. I felt good. Uh, I have fractures in my back, and I have torn ligaments in my knee, and and I've had jaw injuries. From, Good God, from lifting? You know, no, from, from a motorcycle wreck. And then <laughs> oh. doing the things The things that – the reason I love lifting so much is because since I've gotten out, you know, I've, I'm 80% through the VA. And the thing is, is the VA will give you so much medicine and pills and, and pain medication. And, yeah. and, you know, and this is something I try to tell a lot of veterans with injuries. And Derek Wyda is a great example of it, you know. People thrive on their injuries, and they're like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. And at the end of the day, it's bullshit. You can do whatever the hell you want to if you put your mind to it, if you suck up some pain and like deal with it. Like I deal with my back hurting. I throw my back out probably once a month, literally. My, my knee is still injured. I refuse to get surgery on it. I was supposed to get surgery on it before I got out of the military and chose not to. You know, I had just had to go get a Toradol shot the other day because the weather up here in Washington just has literally made me not want to do anything. But uh, I find release from working out. It keeps me mentally strong, keeps my body strong. Uh, and, you know, getting ready to go to Africa, I need to be in some of the best shape. You know, I have to, I have to suck up the pain and deal with it. And that's what I like to do. I, I like to help people you know, that are struggling with injuries or struggling with, you know, weight issues. Some of the most inspiring things I get told is the days that I don't want to go to the gym, the days that I want to give up, the days that I'm like, this sucks. I think about all those people that, you know, message me and they say, hey, you know, I was 450 pounds and you've, you've, you've motivated me to lose, I've lost 200 pounds already. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, wow. I mean, you, you hear these stories from people and, it's stuff that you see on TV, you know, sure. you get like real life people messaging you and you realize you, you have an impact on somebody's life. And, um, uh, you know, I'm starting to be myself again for a while. I was for a while. I, I changed a little bit. I don't think I was changing into a good person. I think with all the media attention and all the 
the outreach I was getting and all the, the opportunities that were getting thrown my way, I kind of became this person that I wasn't happy with. And I backed off, you know, I kind of got out of the limelight. You know, I started <clears throat> focusing on what was really helping my followers, you know, posting more videos, posting music, posting me working out, you know. I have a compressed disc and stage two arthritis going on right now, plus my L4, L5 fracture. And I'm still deadlifting, you know. I just did 255 for deadlifts the other day, and I told people, and they're like, wow, you motivate me. And that's what I live for. Like, that's – I. at the end of the day, it's not about me anymore. It's about motivating other people to be better and realizing that you don't have to rely on the VA or the military to give you pain medicine and stuff. You can find relief from working out. And honestly, I, th I think that's what's helped me a lot because working out, I'm in less pain. I don't think about it. I feel healthier mentally and physically. And uh, I just focus on that, you know. I think a lot of people have also mentioned that it has helped with their PTSD and such like that <clears throat> as well. Because they're working out, they're feeling that sense of service, they're usually working out with other veterans and the whole bit. And we actually um, have some good friends at Military Muscle. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. Rob Principato is uh, one of the co-founders there. Uh, we're very well connected with those folks. And that's one of Rob's big things is trying to get the veterans together inside the gym and not only just have them work out and such and get that sense of service and fellowship, but then afterwards have an opportunity to sit around, talk about the things that are affecting them right now. And You know what? I think it's a great way to approach things because most most veterans and most military are very, very prideful. Um, I know I'm prideful and it took me a while to get past that because I was always afraid to let people see me down, you know, to let, let people see me breaking. I don't like to appear weak. And to me, appearing weak is a weakness, right? Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of military active duty and veterans and, and National Guard and all those guys, reserves, you know, even the soft community, I feel like a lot of people still hold that really high. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to get help. They don't want to, you know, they don't want anybody to know that they're, they're down or having a bad time. That's why when people commit suicide, from what I've seen, nobody knew. Nobody had a clue that they yeah. were having such a bad time. And then when these people do these things, all of a sudden this array of shit just comes out. And you're like, well, nobody knew that they were struggling with that. Nobody knew that they had these kind of problems. And I think to, to me – I'll give them, I'll I'll give you guys an example. So when I was in Africa and all this negative feedback I was getting, I was really really depressed because I was trying to be this better person and doing something that I felt prideful and happy about and it was a passion and I wanted to bring other people into it that nobody knew the struggle I was going through. Nobody knew that I wanted to just die. I uh was embarrassed. I was not happy. You know, to me, I couldn't grasp the concept that I came over here to do something good and now I'm getting bashed for it and attacked. And you know what? This is something, and I will tell the veteran community, I will tell the active duty community, this is the shit that I'm talking about is we are the first to say, hey, we got your back. We're here for you. But we're also the first to destroy each other. And I see it so much. I see it happen all the time. Instead of helping support people in your community, we're the first ones to tear you down. And we're also the first ones to say, oh, you're fine. You don't have anything wrong with you. You know, 
and nobody wants to help each other or suck it up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not everybody handles things like everybody else. You know, everybody has their everybody has a breaking point. Everybody does. You know, the the thing I I have an issue with is how how many veterans just bash on each other. They just destroy one another, and it, it's really really sad. You know, to see that. Yeah. I can totally uh, sense that. Not only that, but I have seen it myself, just much of what you're talking about. And it is kind of sad when they do that. I mean, hell, it was uh, not too long ago. There was actually, I think it was Havoc Journal or some of those guys that actually reported about an individual that was beat up because he didn't have his military ID card on him. I just saw that. Yeah, and he was wearing a patch or had a patch on him or something of that nature. And so they thought he was doing uh, stolen valor stuff. And that's just ridiculous. I I totally get what you're saying. There's so many groups out there now, you know, that think it's okay to bash military. They, I mean, hell, I've been a part. I haven't been a part of the groups, but I was in the group where I got it bashed. You know, I got attacked big time. Um, you know, I had, I had pictures, personal pictures that were released, I guess, from, you know, a while back. And people thought it was funny to pass them around and just talk shit and hmm. say really mean things. And I was like, you know, at first it got to me. Now I just don't care. You know, I stopped caring about what everybody thought and and it takes a it takes a lot to get past that point you know yeah it I mean? does i bet it does i mean i'm sure they went after it was character attack is what it was and, and you know what let them I, I tell them all the time now i'm like please just come after me it's totally fine you're not gonna hurt my feelings anymore you know i got past that point you know to me at the end of the day if you have to take that much time out of your life to bash on somebody and and destroy try to destroy somebody because you're unhappy with yourself that's not my problem you know I struggle with my own shit, and I try to help as much as possible with other people, and uh, I'll continue to do that. It's not going to – It's you can come after me and try to destroy me, but you're not going to destroy who I am, you know? Right. Well, that takes a pretty strong person to come out of that, to be it, honest you with you. You know what? It's, it's because I've had really good people in my life, and uh, I found out who my real friends were, and I found out who my fake friends were, mm-hmm. and, you know, I my – my group is small, and it's always going to be that way. Yeah. You know, you have to you have to earn, you know, my trust and to be in my group. That's that's what life is about now. Yeah, it has to be just because of what you went through. What's the best way that people can actually follow you now? Is it on Facebook or what's the Instagram? I know you have both those accounts, but as well as Twitter. But what's the best way as you start going through this? Is it going to be Facebook because now you can do Facebook Live? Um, Facebook right now, um, I can. That I can start doing Facebook Live on there. I just figured that out just recently. Uh, but you can follow me on Facebook. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. I run all my pages. So when people contact me, they can try to reach out to me. I mean, I get lots of messages daily. So it's a little bit difficult to respond to everybody. But um, you can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Okay. As you start moving through this whole training and stuff like that, I think it'd be really neat to kind of catch back up with you, especially after you've completed it. And when you start doing the training yourself or, you know, somewhere in that window, I think it'd be really cool. Yeah, I think uh, when I get over there and I see how the connection is and understand the background, I can give you a better understanding of when I'll be able to get on the yeah. biggest thing right now is to stay in contact with everybody that way they can see what I'm going through. I plan on videoing a lot of stuff. I mean, one of the one of the parts of the training is they're gonna we have to learn to approach the big five, which that's gonna be interesting because I've came in contact with elephants and rhinos and they're both very dangerous to get get around. 
so that'll be pretty cool. And then you have your Cape Buffalo, which is really, really aggressive as well. So it'll be it'll be fun to experience that kind of training. Yeah, I bet. That's going to be really cool, though, to hear back from you about all the experiences that you've gone through and all that kind of good stuff. Even if we connect on the back end after you get back, for sure. But Yeah, I'm going to try to keep as many people involved as possible and um, make it kind of fun for everybody to be able to follow what's going on, follow everything that's happening with me, especially in training. And then, you know, if they can, if they have questions, they can ask. If they have questions about joining TACTRAC, I can give them better answers. Everything's better and easier to understand whenever you're there. It's harder to do it here in the States because there you're in real time and you can tell people what's going on, you know? Yeah. And you have a better understanding of what's happening to you instead of saying, oh, I'm sure this is going to happen to me when I get there, you know? Right. changes. No, it'll be... It's, ri- Africa. it's Africa. Nothing ever goes the way you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we wish you nothing but the best for sure while you're over there. And when is it that you leave here in about like three weeks? I leave in November. Okay. Uh, That's not too far away, Kenneth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited though. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be different for me because, uh, I'll be on the training aspect of it and, uh, not actually running around in the bush. Yeah. So I'll be a trainee again, which is going to be interesting. So, uh, something tells me you'll be, be fine. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. I just, I just hope, you know, I can make it through the course and, and, uh, you know, prove that I really want to be there. I do get worried because like I said, you know, I, I don't like to, I don't like to fail. And, you know, I hear people getting injured all the time and people don't make it through the course. And I'm just like, that's all I'm stressing about really. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Wish you nothing but the best though, for sure. Great talking to you. Glad you had the time to be able to join us here on the show. Of course, guys, I appreciate you bringing me on. And, and, uh, if you guys, know of anybody wanting questions or if you guys got any more questions i mean you can always email me or message me and i can try to answer it as best as possible you bet we will thank you for listening to our podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and at facebook by searching at mentors the number four mil and please subscribe to our podcast it's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show we have several options depending upon your device And we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.